When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Down, Peckle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Baby says she wanna go to the game. To the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holla Padre gang. Yeah, they. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 170 of the Talking Ferraris podcast and YouTube show. I am your host, Ben Fadden. Coming to you after the San Diego Padres dropped two out of three to the Milwaukee Brewers at Peco Park in first in the first of two series at Peco Park in this homestand. There was the Manny Machado bobblehead giveaway in game two of this series. There was the walk-off in game one. There was Andy Ashby's nephew pitching in game three. There were a lot of different uh, storylines in this series, and we'll definitely get to that. The Padres lose two out of three, like I just said. They're now 28-16 and 16 after dropping the last two games of this series. Um, but I, don't, I just don't think that it's right to start off this episode just talking about baseball. I really don't. Because there are, from what I saw this morning, there are 19 kids that are not living right now. And I can't even imagine what it's like for their parents. I mean, I ran into Stephen Woods today at the ballpark. I was at the game, and he had his two sons with him, Bo uh, and Taylor. And it's just like cherish those moments, you know, 
and he was crying kind of like I am right now on the air this morning on Ben and Woods just because he's tired of kids not coming home to their parents and all of these mass shootings at schools. He's tired of that. And, yeah, I'm 19 years old, but I'm frankly tired of it too. And two teachers, from what I heard this morning in Evaldi, Texas, they had to save their students, try to save their students, and they couldn't do it. And it's not their fault. But it's just sad that this continues to happen. And I'm going to go on and talk about baseball, talk about the Padres losing to the Brewers. But at the end of the day, is it really that important to be complaining about the Padres' offense right now? I don't know. Um, I'm going to do it, but I, I just think that it would have been a disservice to start off this episode just saying, hey, we're going to continue talking about baseball and talking about men playing a game and men being paid millions of dollars to play a game and not touch on kids that were in elementary school losing their lives. I just don't think that was, that's right to do. So I needed to touch on that. From what I know, two teachers killed. I really recommend you go back and listen to Ben and Woods this morning. They spent like the first hour talking about it. And if it's not for you, if you're saying, hey, this is supposed to be a Padres podcast, YouTube show. It's supposed to be sports radio, right? Ben and Woods, right? Well, look, then go somewhere else then. Because life, elementary kids' life, that's more important than people having the right to just have guns. You know, it's just, I'm not into politics, but that's not politics. You know, kids' lives are more important than people's rights to have guns. And I know this topic you probably don't want to continue hearing, but this was the first time that I um, had been recording or going live for an episode, so I really wanted to touch on that. Uh, Steve Kerr, World head coach, he had an amazing press conference before they lost Game 4 last night to the Mavs, just talking about how the basketball questions don't matter He's tired of this. There's senators that are not passing stuff, you know, just because they want to be right or they want to control stuff. And it's just, it's bigger than them. You know, what has to happen for this to stop? I don't know if I have the answer. I don't know if people here have the answer, but it, it does have to stop. And the Padres played the Brewers this week, lost two out of three. But let's remember, in Kenosha, there was there was that shooting, I think, last year. Um, 
just shootings all over the place. And frankly, I think that it's getting old. It's not just getting old. It's been old that people and you just see these tweets, condolences to these people. That's not good enough because those parents don't have their kids anymore. I can't even imagine if my parents had to come home and my sister or my brother weren't here because they didn't make it home from school. Can't even imagine that. So, I know that's a sad way to start this, but I just had to talk about that for a little bit. All right. Again, this is episode 170, Talking Friars Podcast YouTube show. I'm Ben Fadner, host. Brought to you by Gagler and Bros, famous cheesesteaks, garlic fries, gaglerandbros.com to view their entire menu, their addresses, their phone numbers, all that stuff. Um, all right. Let's let's talk about some baseball. All right. Padres were 28 and 14 after their Monday Monday night win against the Brewers. We'll get to the bobblehead stuff. I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, but on Monday, that wasn't the bobblehead night. Had a lot of old friends coming into town, and old friends I mean Renfro, Arias, Lauer, even though he didn't pitch, Broxberger, Boxberger, not Broxberger. Uh, Perdomo, probably forgetting, uh, Pat Murphy, he was the bench coach, I think, for, who was it, Bud Black for a little bit, right? I think he was a minor league manager, then a bench coach, then the interim manager at one point for the Padres. Um, but he was there. Uh, and then, obviously, in the, in the series finale today, Andy Ashby's uh, nephew, Aaron, uh, pitch for the Brewers. He started that game, and uh, I talked with Andy a little bit before the game, got there early, and I'm going to try to get him on the show, um, so hopefully we can get that to happen. Caratini's another one. Yep, Quan, I see that comment. Yep, you're right. All right, so starting with Monday's game, the Padres won this one 3-2, to two, but as you can see in the title of this episode, they probably should have been swept. They, I don't think they should have won this game, and you could say, hey, Ben, be happy they won this game. And I was happy. I was really happy when they go watch my post-game reaction on this YouTube channel and on so, the social medias, at Talking Friars, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Go watch all of them. And I, I was happy about it. But when you look back on it, you see that yesterday and then today they lose. You realize that, hey, uh, dang, we're lucky. We probably should have been swept in this series. If it wasn't for Jake Cronenworth's amazing diving play that stopped, what, two runs from scoring? And it wouldn't have even gone into extra innings if Cronenworth wouldn't have made that stop, that shortstop. You know? And I'll walk you through this game. Bottom of the first, first and second, two outs. The Padres could not get a run there. Myers grounded out to second. Top of the second, Tyrone Taylor hit a two-RBI double in the right field. A little past Myers. Grisham was there to back him up. Made it 2 nothing. Milwaukee. Um, Nick Martinez started this game, obviously. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon had a weak single that I believe went to Robinson Cano up the middle. Um, and Cano tried 
thrown it on the run to first base, couldn't get him, and then Kutch ended up scoring. That was the first run in that 2-0 lead there. Uh, in the fourth, Renfro, I think, had to leave the game, I believe it was the fourth inning or maybe the third inning, due to a hamstring issue. Didn't see him the rest of the series. I don't know if he's on the IL, but we did not see him the rest of the series. Uh, in that top of the fourth, Martinez started the inning, allowing a single, a walk, and then a walk. But then bases loaded, no outs, and the Padres got out of it. That was the first of two jams in this game. Further prove why they shouldn't have won this game. But anyway, first of two jams that bases loaded, no outs, jam, that they got out of. They got out of two of those in this game. And one of those was in the fourth inning. He got a fly out uh, to right for the first out, a changeup strikeout for the second out, and then Cronenworth, with the play that I mentioned, he had that huge, huge diving play up the middle to his left to prevent any runs from scoring, despite there being bases loaded, no outs, with Nick Martinez on the mound. And it seems like Nick Martinez is definitely the guy here that every start it feels like he's in some sort of jam and he gets out of it somehow. And I guess you got to say props to him, but you'd rather not see that happen because this is what happens. It takes him 106 to get through five innings, you know, and that's not great. And can the Padres bullpen handle that right now? Yes, because you got Darvish pitching seven innings and Musgrove pitching six, seven innings, quality starts. Same with Manaya and Gore when he starts, right? But I don't know if they can face this the entire year with Martinez getting in those and all that. Um, but Martinez's final line in this game, five innings, two earned runs, five hits. He walked three, struck out five, uh, eight for nine. Uh, he was eight for nine getting out of those runners in scoring position, get jams. For, so only one of those times did that run score. Uh, he left six Milwaukee batters on base, including three of those with the bases loaded there with no outs in the fourth inning. So it was a good job of him getting out of the jams. And he didn't put terrible, right? He, he gave up two runs, right? Um, but the Padres' offense didn't give him much run support. They gave him, what, zero run support? One run support, if you want to count the bottom of the fifth, where Alfaro had that fielder's choice ground out to short, made it two to one. Chris Matt came in in the sixth, uh, got his ERA down to 1.25 with the scoreless inning. Adrian Hauser started this game for Milwaukee, and credit to him, he pitched really well. Adrian Hauser's one of those underrated guys because he's overshadowed by Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, right? And Ashby, Aaron Ashby, he was, I think, their top prospect going into this year. So it, it I guess that's not really surprising that... Um, Adrian Hauser has been a little bit overshadowed, um, but he pitched really well. It doesn't matter if you're overshadowed or not. As long as Milwaukee knows that you're really good, they're going to continue pitching you, and you're going to continue having success and impacting your team. And that's what he did against the Padres on Monday night. In the bottom of the seventh, Padres tied the game 2-2, two to two, and with the Grisham squeeze, and Grisham, I mean, yeah, he's been struggling at the plate, but this seems like his real, like, big role this year. Like, he's played okay defense. He's made some really good diving plays at times, like it seems like he always does. But the hitting has not been there, but the bunts seem like they have. And I don't know if Milwaukee just didn't watch any advanced tape of the Padres or they didn't have any advanced scouts out there anymore because – 
Some teams just like to value the analytics and the stat cast numbers and all that. But I would think that if they had an advanced guy, they would have saw that Trent Grisham, because his bat isn't going, if there's a runner on third like that and the infield's back like that, um, he's going to bunt. And they, I know it was a perfect bunt. Maybe that's maybe that situation's not the best opportunity to say, hey, this guy's going to bunt, watch out, because I don't know if they would have gotten an out there even if they knew that he was going to bunt. That's just how good the bunt was. Unless they played like a Anthony Rizzo thing where Anthony Rizzo's like almost touching the batter uh, that close to the to the plate at first base. Just go look it up on YouTube or something of Anthony Rizzo and where he stands on bunts. I mean, it's crazy. He's, I've never seen someone, I guess, be that brave because the guy could literally fake bunt, do like a butcher's boy, I think is what they call it, and swing, you get nailed by a major league hitter two feet away. Uh, but he continues to do that. But even if the even if Milwaukee did that, I don't know if they would have gotten a guy out because Milwaukee, I believe, on that Grisham bunt, they just tried to see if it was going to go foul. They didn't even pick it up. So it's credit for Grisham. Um, and I'll probably have an episode on Friday diving into a Zokar or Grisham, who should be that starting center fielder. Um, but right now, Grisham... Just can't really find it at the plate. Um, I think that they're playing a Zokar more. Maybe that's just recency bias and him having the walk-off Monday, playing Tuesday, or excuse me, playing today. Uh, and then he didn't play yesterday, Grisham did, but playing today and then Grisham getting at-bats late in the game today instead of starting. Maybe that's just my recency bias. But um, it's an interesting topic that the Padres are going to have to ask themselves. Do you want Azokar to be the starting center fielder primarily now? Or do you want to continue riding Grisham even if the bat isn't there? Because I feel like Azokar and Grisham are pretty comparable defensively. And Azokar is pretty fast on the bases as well. Grisham might be better served as a pinch bunter, if that makes sense, the way that he's bunting. Uh, and he... He could pinch run, too, coming uh, if there's a righty on the mound out of the bullpen and you want a lefty up there instead of Austin Nola or something like that, okay, you could do that. Or, or Zokar late in games, you want to do that, okay. But right now, Zokar, I feel like, is having better at-bats and giving the Padres the better chance to win in that center field role. Um, but uh, that's another topic that I'll discuss in another episode. Um, as for the rest of this game, in the ninth, Taylor Rodgers got the hold. That was huge. In the bottom of the ninth, first and third, Manny struck out to head to extras. He had a couple chances. He had that one, and then he had, I think, another one. I think, was it bases loaded? I, I know there was runners in the scoring position, and he popped out to left. So two. Ch it was kind of weird, those two chances there with definitely – guys in scoring position and he didn't come through. That was kind of weird to see. You're not really used to seeing Manny not come through just because of how great his season has been so far. But I guess it just gives you a reality check. Hey, they're human beings. This is baseball. Baseball's hard. Uh, and there's that. Um, in the 10th, Luis Garcia was on the mound for the pods, loaded the bases, but he got a 1-2-3 double play. 
and then a ground out to first to get out of the inning. That was huge. I mean, just a perfect scenario. I mean, you ask any manager around the league, right? Okay, your pitcher has bases loaded and no outs. What do you want to have happen? Do you want a strikeout? No, because that's not two outs. You're not one out away, right? You want to get a double play and not allow that runner from third to score. And that's exactly what happened. A one, two, three double play is probably what a manager would want most because you get the guy out at home and you get another out. Okay, you have second and third, but there's two outs. Those guys aren't going anywhere. You can worry about the batter. That's the perfect scenario. And that's exactly what happened there in the top of the tent for Luis Garcia and the Padres. Um, that was a, so that was the second time. He had the Martinez jam with the Cronenworth great play, and then you had the Garcia getting out of that jam in the 10th. That led to the bottom of the 10th where Milwaukee walked Hosmer. Hosmer took second because no one was covering, and so it was second third. Myers was up, so they and they chose to just put him on to set up a double play type situation, kind of how the Padres had in the top of the 10th. Um, but in the bottom 10th here, Milwaukee couldn't get it done because Azorkar came up to the plate and he ended up flaring one into the outfield for his second hit in, what was it, like three innings or maybe two innings? His at-bat before the walk-off was actually a better hit. It was a liner to the gap uh, for a single. And then his second at-bat, he, he put it in the out or that, that second at-bat late in the game put it into the field. Obviously, that scored the winning run, walk off, blah, 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 blah. It was a great moment, by the way. But it shows, like, Bob Melman, he was talking about it after the game, that Azokar walk-off, and he was just saying how, you know, I, I was thinking about putting Austin Nola in there because he wasn't starting. Alfaro was catching that game. But he went with the hot hand. He liked what he saw out of Azokar in that last at-bat, that hit that I'm talking about the left field. He goes with a Zogar, it pays off. And that's the thing here with Bob Melvin playing by feel, letting his starting pitchers go long, talking with guys on the field, not in his office, letting players have that clubhouse be theirs instead of encroaching on that space. Little things like that, having feel, trusting players, looking at things recently instead of saying, Austin Nola's the more veteran guy. I'm going to go with him here instead of a Zogar. No. You went with Azokar because you thought that he was hot. He, you liked what you were seeing out of him. And so that ended up paying off, and you got to love that feel that Bob Melvin has. Um, so the Padres ended up winning this game. That walk-off single, a great call by Don, a great call by Jesse. He was really passionate about that about that call, obviously. The Padres won that game 3-2. to two. Uh, Quan with the Zokar Grisham thing says Zokar deserves a chance. I think Grisham has en had enough chances, and you could definitely make that argument. Um, I would try to start Zokar and see how it goes. You're playing the Pirates this weekend, and again, I'll have another episode on Friday about this, digging more into the numbers because I haven't done that yet. I'm kind of just doing it off of observations and just my gut. I would just see what happens, you know. Okay, if Zokar doesn't work out, you start him all three games this weekend, doesn't play great. Okay, Grisham was going to just go play great this weekend. I don't think that's a guarantee, right? Because he hasn't played great this season yet. And the Padres have played some opponents, the Reds, the Pirates, 
Diamondbacks, Guardians, teams like that. And Grisham hasn't done great. So I think you're seeing Azokar having these good at-bats. I think he's comparable to, did I say comparable? Comparable to Grisham in the outfield. And I think he's a pretty good base runner. Why not try it? What What is there to lose? It's not like Grisham is your leadoff hitter. Crony's leading off. You know, Manny's hitting second. Profar's hitting third. Haas is hitting fourth. Myers or Voigt is hitting fifth. Cano's in there sometimes, right? Kim, uh, Nola or Alfaro. And then it's Azokar or Grisham. You know, it's at the bottom of the order. What do you have to lose? So that would be my initial gut reaction again on Friday. I'll have another episode about it. All right, so that was game one. Padres win 3-2, to two, improved to 28-14, and 14, two times the amount of wins as losses. Unfortunately, that's not how the series would end. The series would end with a 28-16 and 16 record. I think they're a game and a half behind the Dodgers right now. Um, but for Tuesday's game, it was Manny Machado bobblehead day. I was excited to go to this game. Uh, went with my mom and my sister. Um, sat down the third baseline. There was actually a couple fights. Uh, there were some dummies that ki- got kicked out of this game. There was one where, so Tyrone Taylor, I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but Tyrone Taylor hit that big three-run bomb uh, off Stammen, which was an absolute meatball right down the middle of the dang plate. Serves up the meatball, Tyrone Taylor home run. But as that's happening, there's a couple dummies just walking or yelling at each other probably cussing each other out. I don't know. There's a bunch of elite security guards down there. Didn't seem like they were doing much, but those guys start walking up the steps. The whole plate, the whole side, the third base side, is standing up on field level watching these two dummies walk up the the aisle, kind of like the walk of shame. It's like, what are you guys doing? Come on, guys. You bought these tickets, and you're acting like dummies over here. They're walking up the steps, and Tyrone Taylor hits a bomb ends up being the difference and the Milwaukee wins this game four to one because the Padres offense was pretty much non-existent, even though they had some opportunities, but in terms of like executing, it was non-existent while Tyrone Taylor's hitting that home run. You got these dummies walking up the stairs. It doesn't, it just didn't seem like the whole like attention was on the game at that point. It was more on the dummies getting in a fight and getting kicked out. That's, but anyway, I don't know if you care about that, but I just wanted to mention that that was kind of the fan experience. Uh, at Petco. It was Manny Machado bobblehead night on this YouTube channel. I do have the uh, Manny Machado bobblehead review live from Petco Park. I did my pregame shows the last couple days at Petco. Hope you enjoyed that. Again, if you're just new to this podcast on the podcast platforms or on this YouTube channel, daily pregame shows, daily postgame reactions after every, before every game, or I try to do it before, after every game. Um, and I put out a bobblehead review, and I can review it too as well. Here it is for the YouTube audience. I have it right here holding it up, and I like it. I think I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 on my review. I think that I really liked uh, the Manny blowing the bubble, obviously, had the ball in his hand. I think the jersey's pretty spot on. I mean, the chain that he has, the chain, it probably should be a little low, but again, it's a bobblehead. Uh, it's probably, I'm sure that's probably hard putting the chain like that. But even the details, like you see the details on his arm, like it's all the way perfect, all the way up to the flowers and stuff. 
uh, on the on the arm, the tattoo. So this bobblehead was really, really good. On the back here, it says sky's the limit. So I really liked it. I know he wears a little bit of gold belt sometimes instead of the brown. But overall, I'm thinking that it's a bobblehead. They put the bubble on there. I, I, I really like this Manny bobblehead. So if you didn't get it, sorry, that, that kind of sucks. Um, maybe if my family doesn't care about the extras we got, maybe I'll do a giveaway. But I, I like this bobblehead a lot. Our captain, El Ministro Defense, Manny Machado. So that was the bobblehead. That was pretty cool. The crowds were, or the stands were packed. Tons and tons of people. I think the attendance was like 40,000 for a Tuesday night game against the Brewers. I know a lot of it was because of the giveaway. But hey, this team is playing well too. I don't know if there would have been 40,000 people out there if the team was, um, I don't know, what's 28 plus 14? I can't do math right now. 42. So divide that with, by, uh, divide it by two. If this team was like, I don't know, 21 and 21, would it have been 40,000 people there? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it was just the bobblehead. I think, hey, look, this team's good. 28 and 14 going into this game. And you got the bobblehead night. That's the place to be on Tuesday night, right? And obviously, as I started off this episode pretty emotionally about the shootings and stuff, that was yesterday. That's when the shootings happened. Um, and there was a moment of silence before the game. There was a moment of silence also before today's game as well. And I like that out of the Padres. I'm sure other stadiums did it as well. Um, so it did kind of feel weird. I mean, I wasn't thinking about it in the mo in the moment. About, man, I'm at a baseball game right now watching men play a game while... There's these parents that just lost their kids, elementary age kids. It just didn't feel right. Maybe after the game, I think I was thinking about that. During the game, I, I was focused on the game. And I don't know if I feel guilty about that or not, but I mean, I was at the game. I'm trying to enjoy the game. I was taking notes like I always do, watching Blake Snell pitch. I thought he looked better. We'll get into that. So, but at the same time, it did kind of feel weird. Um, but getting to the game, the Padres ended up losing this game four to one. They dropped the twenty-eight and fifteen. Tyrone Taylor obviously had that big three-run home run. The Padres' offense scored a run in the first inning. A Profar double play after two straight hits from Crony and Manny got it started. Crony ended up scoring, and so that made it one nothing. Snell, I saw this. Note, well, I saw it on the scoreboard, the pitch count, and then I did it in my head. He was at 66 pitches through four innings. And obviously in his last start, or his first start of the 2022 regular season against the Phillies, he was not very solid. Um, walks, two of the three walks ended up scoring. Just, he wasn't throwing the ball consistently enough in the strike zone. And I'll continue to believe that. Um, but this start against the Brewers, he looked much better. I said it on the post game react, uh, the post game reaction that I put up on the socials and on this YouTube channel uh, last night after the loss. 
there were some at-bats that stood out to me of, oh man, maybe this one went different in a positive way compared to last time. Like he, It didn't seem like he was spiking a lot of balls in the dirt, or when he was, he came back and maybe threw the same pitch, but he adjusted. He threw it where the, the guy would swing, or it was in the strike zone. I think he was using the fastball up pretty well as you know at the same time. Um, there was that Lorenzo Kane at bat where I believe it was 0-2. Then he threw a slider in the dirt or a curveball, whatever it was. I couldn't really see what pitch it was. Then it was 1-2, obviously. Then the 1-2 pitch, he didn't just go back to the dirt and nibble again. Instead, he threw the pitch. I think it was the same pitch, but it, it stayed in the air. It, it hit Nola. It was Nola catching, I think. Uh, hit his glove in the air, um, and Kane swung through it. So it's it's those little things, right? Some of you guys listening or watching, you might not remember that at-bat, but it's just those little things to me that stand out, like, hey, oh, wow, okay. He's adjusting here. He's throwing more strikes consistently, right? And he finished with five and a third innings of work. He allowed a couple base runners, a walk and a single in that sixth inning before Stammen gave up the home run. But, hey, I'll take that. Five and a third innings, three earned runs. Um, two of those runs were charged when that stamina home run came. Gave up three hits, walked through, but it didn't feel like those walks were as bad as the Philadelphia starter, if you get what I'm saying. Seven strikeouts, gave up one home run, that home run to uh, Michael Bers- uh, Mike Brousseau. Uh, smashed a home run to left field. That tied the game at one uh, earlier in the game. Uh, 104 pitches. So... That's a start. That's a positive start to build off of, I think, for Blake Snell. Um, and if Blake Snell's pitching like this, especially the first like five innings, man, this rotation, there's no one that can contend with this rotation. There is no soft spot in this rotation. Darvish is pitching like you, Darvish. Joe Musgrove's a Cy Young candidate. Sean Manaya's quality start after quality start. Nick Martinez is getting out of jams thanks to some of his defense, right? Gave up two earned runs, I think, right, uh, Monday. And and then Snell, if he pitches like this and throwing more consistent strikes, we know the guy that he can be. He can be kind of the guy that we saw the first, like, or excuse me, like the last month before he got hurt last year, right? This rotation is deadly if Snell can do that. Now, the bullpen, that's maybe a different story. Um, but for the rotation... If Snell does, if Snell pitches like he did, I think against Milwaukee, at least the first five innings, um, every single day an opponent comes and plays the Padres, they're gonna see and they're gonna be saying, "Oh man, we gotta face Shamanaya. Oh man, we gotta face Nick Martinez." Even, you know, with that nasty changeup. Oh man, we gotta face you, Darvish. Oh man, Joe Musgrove. Are you kidding? We gotta face that guy. That's what's gonna happen. Um, as for the rest of the game, I mean, Stammen won an inning two-thirds, gave up that one earned run, although it was three runs, struck out no guys, gave up, like I mentioned, the home run to Tyrone Taylor. It was a meatball. I think it was a slider. Maybe it was just a hanging curveball. I think it was like 78 miles an hour, or maybe I was misreading that on the TV that was above me when I was watching this game at Petco last night. But that ball was crushed right down the pipe. Um, as a bunch of dummies were being escorted out of the stands and uh, down the third baseline. Um, 
And that's kind of what Stammen is. I mean, he's not going to be a, a high leverage guy. And those meatball pitches happen every once in a while. Everyone's human, right? Even Manny Machado, like on Monday night, didn't come through in those two big situations, right? But guess what? Everyone's human. Still the National League MVP, by the way, for all you National League MVP voters. I know it's May, but I'm going to continue saying it, that he's the MVP. Uh, in the bottom of the eighth, another opportunity for the Padres. When it was 4-1, to one, Myers was at the plate. He was the tying run, and he struck out. In the ninth inning, Voigt struck out, and then when Grisham came up to the plate, it, it felt like everyone left. Two outs in the ninth, down 4-1, to one, and that just shows how much, or maybe, uh, maybe it shows two things, right? It shows how people want to get out of there because they want to be in traffic, even though leaving one out early, I don't think that's going to be a huge game changer for you in terms of beating traffic, but nonetheless, there's that reason, and then you just don't have confidence in Trent Grisham. Yeah, this game's over. Grisham's up. And guess what? He ends up striking out. Um, now, if Manny was up, he could have struck out as well. I'm not saying that it was only going to be Grisham that struck out. Voigt struck out, you know, the at-bat before. I know he strikes out a lot, but hopefully you get my point. And that's a good point, Quan. No hater. The Brewers didn't have hater this entire series because of the family emergency thing. It came up huge for them on Monday because they had to go to Devin Williams and have him be the closer. Who knows what would have happened then. And then it didn't really, I mean, maybe it hurt them a little bit today, but again, they won two to one. They, they ended up winning, so it didn't really hurt them. And maybe that's the sad part, right? They, the Potters didn't even have to face Hater, and they combined for five runs in this entire three-game series. Um, but yeah, there's just, Grisham feels lost. Voight feels like he's back to swinging and missing a lot. He had a single today, and we'll get to today's game. But it just feels like both of those guys are lost. I'd give a Zokar more rep in her field. See what happens. You have nothing to lose, right? Grisham's not playing great. A Zokar feels like he can help the team more right now than Grish. And it kind of sucks to say that. I like Grish, like his swag, but I'm just looking. I'm just giving you my gut reaction. Again, I haven't looked deep into the numbers, and I will do that. But that's, that's just my gut reaction. Um, before Tuesday's game, I did want to mention this. Uh, so the Padres obviously lost 4-1 to one on Tuesday. Before Tuesday's game, Bob Melvin indicated that Fernando Tatis Jr.'s bone uh, scan that they did did not go as well as the team would have hoped. He won't swing a bat yet, according to Bo Mel. Uh, but the hope is he will be able to short. He's back in San Diego. I saw him on, what was that, Monday and Tuesday, I think it, during batting practice, he was out with the guys, out with Cano and all that, taking grounders. I think he's throwing, doing some base running, doing some defensive work, but he's not swinging a bat yet. Is this a reason for concern for me? No, because Fernando Tatis Jr. feels like he's that great of an athlete, great of just a freak of an athlete, that he'll be able to, He'll be able to just come in, start swinging a bat, and he'll be fine. And we're May 25th right now, and late June is supposed to be his return. If it was early June and he hasn't been swinging a bat yet, of course. That's like, okay, you should be swinging a bat. Your estimated timetable is now probably going to get pushed back. Yeah, I'm worried. 
But right now, I'm not worried because it feels like he's going to start swinging the bat soon. And he just seems like a freak of an athlete. I mean, look, that he'll be able to adjust quickly. Start swinging the bat, he'll be fine. Um, you know, it was last year, right, when all those subluxations happened. He came back, and guess what happened? It seemed like he home he hit a home run in, like, every at-bat back. So he's just that great of a baseball player, and maybe that's just bad expectations to put on him. But at the same time, he's Fernando freaking Tatis Jr., you know? So I'm not worried about it because he's not expected to be back till late June. It's late May, so he has plenty of time, I think. Um, all right, so that's the Tatis update. Before we move on to game three of this series, I'll read some comments real quick because I know that you guys have been putting some stuff into the chat. Again, if you're new to the Talking Friars podcast YouTube show, I hope you subscribe to the Talking Friars YouTube page for daily Padres content. Uh, people want are trying to get up to these 1,000 subscribers. I want to get up to these 1,000 subscribers. People uh, want to help support the channel with super chats and all that. Um, and those super chats can only kick in when I get to 1,000 subscribers. Uh, so I'm doing content inside Petco Park. I'm doing interviews. Talked to Lauren Shahadu last week. Talked to Heath Bell last week. Um, so Padres content, daily pregame shows, postgame reactions, series reactions, some episodes about Padres rumors. Uh, I did a Juan Soto one, I think, last week as well. Um, so your go-to destination for daily Padres content, uh, I think, should be right here. All right, let's get to some comments here before getting to the third game of this series. John says, after the weekend, the schedule's only getting tougher at the Cardinals, at the Brewers. I hope the day off and a series of beating up on the Pirates gets the Padres' bats right. And, John, you hope that that's right. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree that the Padres' schedule is definitely going to get tougher. Um, you're right about that. And the Padres very well might come up and sweep the Pirates this weekend, right? And Or or win the series. They definitely sh should too, and they should too. What does should do? They definitely should win the series. They need. I think they need to win the series after losing this series and scoring five runs in three games, um, despite good pitching performances pretty much all three games. Um, but... The offense has been the offense. Like, Profar isn't the side that he was in April. Um, Crony's having better at-bats, but Grisham still isn't really producing. Voigt's still not producing. Uh, Cano is still Cano. Like, I, yeah, of course, I, I think Cano should be playing more than Voigt, and maybe that's just a look on Voigt, but that's just my opinion. But Cano is still a 39-year-old that they picked up because another team didn't want him to be on their team. They released him, paid him 30-plus million dollars to not be on their team for the next two seasons, you know? So Cano is still Cano. You can't have that high of expectations on him. Nola, he's a contact guy. He does great when guys are in scoring position and all that with, like, you know, producing situations. But in order for that to happen, he has to be 
put in the situation with guys on base. Guys have to get on base. So, yeah, I think the bats can get going against the Pirates because it's the Pirates. But remember, that Pittsburgh series, they lost the game that they should have won, right? Um, their offense did show up in Pittsburgh, and I was uh, a home run that series at least one. Manny hit a home run to deep center, uh, but then Hosmer made that error. Um, they 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 should have won that Saturday game, and they didn't. So that very well could happen again this weekend. So it's definitely not a guarantee that the Potters are just going to go beat up on the Pirates. The Pirates did just score ten runs today in their uh, series finale in their last series that they've been that they played at Pittsburgh before coming here. I think they have an off day tomorrow, and then uh, obviously play the uh, the uh, Padres at Petco on Friday night. Quan says the bubble gum uh, bubble is what sold it for him uh, about the Manny bobblehead. Yeah, I like it. Um, I was kind of surprised that this is the first Manny bobblehead that the Padres have done. But hey, this might be the 2022 national MVP that we have a bobblehead of. So that's pretty cool. Lakeum says it's past 2 a.m. in England for him, but I'll say the offense lack of consistency is holding the Padres back, especially when our starting pitching is giving us quality starts and keeping us in the game. Well, what I'll say to that is I appreciate you staying up past 2 a.m. in England. Well, I stayed up in New York when I was there for college for uh, past 2 a.m. sometimes. Definitely past 1 a.m. a lot of nights because that's when games are ending. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely dedication. So I appreciate you tuning in here. We saw a series. We we did. Um, and, you know, you score five runs in three games. That's not ideal. And when you're starting pitching, Nick Martinez is giving up like two runs. Uh, Blake Snell's giving up three runs, if you, you know, because those two runs on the stamina home run. Darvish is pitching six and two thirds innings of really good ball. And your offense just doesn't really provide anything. And again, let me reiterate, on Monday, they should not have won that game. Cronenworth made an amazing play. The Padres got out of two jams, bases loaded, no outs. I don't know if that's going to happen again this season. They're not going to win that game again. So they probably should have been swept. And so I agree that the offense is definitely holding the team back, probably. Um, let's see, Renee, wait, hold on a second. Got lost in the comments here. Renee asked the Padres rotation ERA. Oh, JD's third, sorry. See, I'm mixing up these comments here. Um...
I don't think I don't know where it shows the starting rotation ERA, but I can tell you their ERAs right now, like each individually. Musgrove's ERA is one point nine zero. Manias is four point zero four. Darvish is three point nine one. Martinez is three eight six. Gore is two oh six. And Clev is three twenty one. He's on the IL. So everyone but Manaya is under four. And even Manaya, like that ERA, don't even pay much attention to that ERA. The ERA is bumped up because of that bad start. He's had quality starts, it feels like every other start. So I wouldn't really pay attention too much to that. So the starting pitching is really holding carrying the load for the Padres right now. Let's see. Uh, Renee says, why not go after a guy like Brian Reynolds? Because the Pirates are asking for too much for Brian Reynolds. He has not got off to a great start. I don't know how much of an impact he would have had for the Padres if that meant that the Padres would have had to trade Gore and Abrams for him. You know? And Profar got off that really hot start in April. So I don't even know if Brian Reynolds would have had a bigger impact so far this year being honest, my gut reaction, not looking at the numbers, over to be honest. Um, so that's why they're not going after him. The Pirates' price tag is too high. And Renee says, yeah, your point. You say that the Potters are ready to win right now. Yeah, I agree. But Mackenzie Gore can help him win now. C.J. Abrams is going to be up, I think, at some point this year. I'm confident in that. He's going to help them. So uh, Brian Reynolds might help them win. Look, this rotation could be totally different next season. I've gone over that already. With three guys hitting free agency, maybe four, with Martinez at the end of the year. It could look totally different. And so if Gore isn't going to be here, that's a problem. Because they don't have any other depth. Uh, get to the third game of the series. Haven't gone over that yet. Today, the Padres lost 2-1 to one to the Brewers. Hopefully, this mic is still working. Because the thing that I'm doing this said that the mic is disconnected. So, let me know if it is disconnected and you can't hear me. Um, all right. Game three, Padres lose this one two to one. They're now twenty-eight and sixteen. Last time I checked, they're a game and a half back of the Dodgers in the National League West. That's okay. Look, the Brewers. I expected the Padres to lose last night, the Tuesday night game, uh, because Snell on the mound didn't know what you were getting him. I know he, but you had Corbin Burns on the other side, and he pitched great. Um, so on paper, that's the game that you thought the Padres were going to lose, right? You had Darvish going today. You had uh, Aaron Ashby going. I know he's been good, but he's not you, Darvish. So you thought, paper, okay, they could win this series. They could win the first game like they did. Barely. They shouldn't have, but they won it. And then they could win the third game. But they didn't win the third game. Uh, they lose two out of three. In the top of the fourth, Darvish strikeout on a fastball up to get out of runners in scoring position jam. Yelich was on second base as the runner in scoring position. And look, Darvish pitched well. That's one of the spots where he pitched well. Pretty much six and two-thirds innings. The seventh inning um, was where it, with, with, two stri- uh, with two outs, is where it went haywire a little bit. Um, 
I mean, Urias nearly got thrown out. We'll get to that. But Darvish had 87 pitches through six innings, seven strikeouts. He only gave up one hit through those six innings. He allowed, I think, three hits in total. Uh, in the bottom of the fifth, Profar had a fielder's choice, made it one nothing Padres. But then the Brewers would take one lead in the seventh uh, on, well, one, the Telez RBI double down the left field line tied it, and then Tyrone Taylor's sack fly to left drove in the second would be all Brewers would end up needing. Um, but getting back to Darvish, in that seventh inning, he had two outs, and there was a single to right. Myers, it looked like gunned down Luis Arias, former Padre, but Arias barely got that uh, hand in. I don't know if he stayed on the bag. I was looking at the Jumbotron at Petco, and it didn't look like he stayed on the bag, but it didn't matter because Manny kind of did a swipe tag. He's on the left. If you're at third base, you're looking towards right field. Manny was on the left side of the bag, and he caught it, went to tag, and kind of his momentum, he wasn't able to hold the tag on. So Urias was safe. He was safe before the tag. The tag wasn't held, so he continued to be safe. Laz Diaz called that. Um, I thought he called it a little early. He kind of called it when the dive came instead of making sure that he stayed on the base. But anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. Urias got to third. That's what mattered, and he ended up scoring on that next batter. Bob Melvin made a mound visit after that Telez double, and I thought he was going to take him out. Who was warming up? I think Suarez was warming up at that time. Thought he was going to take Darvish out. Stuck with him. I like that decision. Darvish gave it one run. He's not allowed to give it one run. I think, okay, keep him in there. And even two runs. Like, he had a quality start today. You know? He went six and two-thirds innings, gave up two runs. That's a quality start. Do that every time. You know? That's a quality start. So I can't really get mad at the offense score run. That's what you kind of had at. Um, but uh, Bob Melvin left you in. Tyron Taylor hit a sack fly. Yeah, did Darvish get hit harder in that seventh inning? Sure. But Martinez got hit hard, right? Shouldn't have probably only allowed two runs in that first game. But Crony made that great play, right? No one's really talking about that right now. They're talking that the Padres ended up winning that game, and they're talking about Cronenworth's great play. So I think Darvish did his job. I'm not mad at him giving up two runs. I'm also not mad at Bob Melvin keeping him in, going out, talking to him, then coming back, not pulling him, sticking with him, and they pulled him after he gave up the second run. Oh, okay. You know, you gave him the chance, gave up a run. All right, go to the bullpen. Uh, but Darvish finished with 108 pitches. Those two earned runs. Six and two-thirds innings, three hits, uh, two walks, and he struck out seven. He's striking out a lot of guys uh, early on. Obviously, he gave up that, like, one hit through, what was that, six innings that I said? Yeah, 87 pitches. So, that, that today was really not his fault. The Padres' offense just couldn't get much going. Um, in the seventh, I wanted to talk about this real quick and touch on it. I mean, I know this is maybe Brewers loving a little bit, but what a play by Colton Wong. For anyone that didn't see that play, go look it up. I think it was in the seventh inning, bottom set, an amazing diving flip play, ball hit up the middle. Colton Wong, full extension, playing second base, full extension to his right, dives, and pretty much right as he hit the dirt, he flipped to Urias, who has to look behind him 
catch it for that play. I mean, it was a tremendous play. And Urias got the throw off to first, almost turned two there. Didn't. But that was an amazing, amazing play. I think that'll be an embarrassment for SportsCenter and ESPN if that play not on SportsCenter Top 10 today, later tonight. Um, that's just how good of a play that was. But I know I, maybe that's weird to spotlight that. But the Brewers, Yelich made a sliding play earlier. So I'm not saying the Padres offense like literally could not hit the ball, but they were they scored one run. That's the bottom line. It's a result-based and they scored one run. It's a results-based business. And last night, they scored one run as well. It's a result-based business, and they scored three runs on Monday. I know they won, but you scored five runs combined in three games. You got to do better than that. I know it's the Brewers, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but I think you got to do better than that, you know? Um, so that's kind of my thoughts. I mean, what stands out is the starting pitch great. Cronenworth was great defensively. That's why he saved the Padres from being swept. And the Padres now... It's pretty much wipe it. Look for that off day tomorrow. Go to the Pittsburgh series, three games, get the bats going before you have to go back on the road and play, what, St. Louis, Milwaukee? Come on, let's go. Get those bats going, you know? That's pretty much my takeaway. And obviously the Manny bobblehead day was great. The crowd atmosphere was great. Uh... Um, you know, Renee says Brewers are a playoff team. Yeah, the Brewers are a playoff team. Like, I don't want to crush the team like they're in the Orioles. I know they weren't, but it's still results are results, right? And if the Pops want to win the World Series, I know we're in May. We're a long time away from when they have to peak and play really, really well. But these are teams that you're going to have to end up beating in the postseason, and they weren't able to do that this series in terms of winning the series. And again, they probably should not have won a single game. John says, what's up with Profar snapping at Caratini? Kind of overblown on his side, complete accident. And next at bat, Profar kept barking. Yeah, I was listening to the radio this morning, and I think Profar was run into accidentally by Caratini when Caratini was trying to throw out, or when he did throw out Manny last night from his knees. Caratini like, didn't throw out really anyone in a Padre uniform. So obviously that's Parma that now he's with the Brewers, he throws out a Padre. And especially Manny, who just had an article written about him in the athletic how great his base running's been. Um, shameless plug. I talked with Manny's trainer this offseason. If you did not know that, it's available on the podcast platforms. It's available on this YouTube channel. Just look up Nick Soto talking Friars, and you should probably be able to find it there. Um, talked about talked with Manny's trainer about his training, about his favorite foods, and um, just the different training that he does and Manny's work ethic, and what is he thinking about going into the gym, stuff like that. It was it was a great conversation with Nick Soto, Manny Machado's trainer. Um, anyway, back to that. Yeah, Profar, yeah, he has a smile on his face all the time, but I think it, when you're in the box, someone rams into you, not rams, but hits you, you're, you're not expecting it, and he was just having fun, and the umpire didn't think that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was, we can kind of move past that. Renee's right. We can't score one run, and we pretty much covered that. A sweep would be nice. Yep, I, I agree. Um, look, you win series, and I, I ultimately have to be happy. 
I guess, you know, sweeping the Pirates, it feels like something they need to do after this series. And now, especially when you know you're going to go play the Cardinals and the Brewers, right? And then you face the Mets coming back home, I think, June, like, 5th, 6th, 7th, or something like that. I might be a little off on that, 7th, 8th, ninth, whenever it is, beginning of June. Um, so you're going to have a tougher schedule coming up. And so, yeah, get these wins right now. Again, this episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries, located inside Petco Park, Mission Gorge, and Point Loma. Gaglionebros.com, their website, their addresses, their numbers, the menu. On Tuesday, had a great garlic fries and uh, cheesesteak with Cheese Whiz. That was um, amazing food that they have. And they are the sponsor, great sponsor. Go check them out. All right. I think this is going to do it for episode 170 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. We talked about um, the unfortunate stuff at the beginning. Uh, I just felt like it needed to be talked about before we actually talked about things that are far less important than what I talked about at the beginning. Uh, touched on, obviously, the Manny bobblehead, the Padres not scoring runs, the starting pitching, still pitching well. And feel free, drop a comment with your thoughts on this series. And I hope you hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel to try to get up to those 1,000 subscribers. All right. Go Padres, everyone. Enjoy the off day tomorrow. I'll be back with an episode probably Friday morning. And, yeah, I'll see you later. Ben Fadden signing off. See ya.